Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is a sunny Manitoba day. And as I must say, it was kind of cool uh, sleeping last night. The windows were open in that cool, crisp air after that heat of the week. Wow. And it looks like the projected weather ahead may be the, very little much the same. Maybe not into the high 28s and 29s, but we will take this beautiful weather And I have to say, the effects of the different temperature changes was almost mystical and magical this morning. The drive here was beautiful, crisp in the air. But as we can see, there was a kind of the mist that came off of the fields. The open fields that hold that heat had a layer of mist above it. And I think the magical portion of it, it was in the distance... I could see the antlers and the shadows and a little bit of the depth and peekaboo of some of the deer in the fields that were in there probably foraging for a little bit of tuft of something to eat. And what was added to the beauty was the skyline of the geese flying ahead. Yes, the colors of the bright trees are there as it is a reminder that fall is here. So please listen to the poem, When the Leaves Commence to Fall. When the leaves commence to shorten and the nights are getting long and we miss the flies and skeeters and the song birds sweetest song to some the summer's passing leaves the world a darker hue but to me it makes it brighter just the same as if twas new as I say some people hate it but I love it best of all when the nights are getting frosty and the leaves commence to fall You get up in the morning, and the air is crisp and cold. The hills have had their war paint, crimson, orange, brown, and gold. And to me, they have a message that I can't forget at all, when the nights are getting frosty and the leaves commence to fall. I can easily foresee that I cannot tarry long, so at once get busy, and my heart is full of song. As I look my snowshoes over and patch up my canoe, as happy as a little boy whose red-top boots are new. And I work both late and early, and I don't want to stop at all, when the nights are getting frosty and the leaves commence to fall. Now the north wind is a-blowing, but then little do I care, for I know a little cabin holds all my grub-stakes there. And that self-same cabin is dearer to me than all when the nights are getting frosty and the leaves commence to fall. And so I will soon be starting to where the deer on the meadows play and the wondrous northern lights make the forest light as day. Back to the lakes and rivers, as straight as a laden bee, back to the forest primeval, and that's where I long to be. Trapping on creeks and marshes back where the bull moose call when the nights are getting frosty and the leaves commence to fall. 
And we're going to go right to the lines because we know that fall is here and we have so much to do in our gardens. I think Esther is waiting. Hi, good morning, Esther. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Altona. Well, good morning, Altona. How can we help you today? Well, um, I have a Boston fern outside on my porch in a pot, and I would like to bring it in for the winter. And I'm wondering when I can do that and what I can do to prevent bringing bugs in with the plant. Okay, that, that's a good question because these are the thoughts that everyone has now with a lot of their plants. Um, Boston ferns, your hibiscus, oleanders, jasmines that are outside. It's time to come in. It's it's kind of uh, opportunity time because with this nice weather, it's kind of like, do I bring it in, do I not? But we have to remember that the nighttime temperatures are dipping. So it's now time to bring them in. Okay, is it on the ground or do you have it raised up in a planter or hanging? It's, um, it's raised up. It's on my porch in a pot, but it's raised yeah. up, yeah. Okay, so what we want to assure is that um, when you're bringing it in, I like to usually say give it a nice blast of water. With the ferns, you might want to give it a little bit of a tassel to take out all the uh, brown leaves that, you know, they always shed a little. Right. So you want to give that a dusting off. And then I would probably invert it a little bit and try and blast the undersides of all the bracts of the fronds that are on there in case you have any spiders or any critters that are in there. Right. And then the other thing that you can do is use a little bit of an insecticidal soap or Endol or something like that. I like Endol. Um, and just spray, but you want to make sure that you're doing the undersides of the leaf, underside of the leaves, as well as the top surface of them. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anything like underneath, the, like on the soil? Should I kind of spray the soil underneath the plant as well? Well, the one thing too is I was going to say if it was right on the ground. Uh, sometimes when you lift it up, you have sow bugs or something that are in there, so right. you might have a little bit of that. Uh, there is a something that you can put, like called diatomaceous earth or insect cola. Okay. It's, it's yes. an organic product that you can put on the soil, and if you do get critters or something that's in the larvae stage that crawls, okay, it will it will be a little bit of a detriment to them. Okay. Okay. That uh, diatomaceous earth I have used in my garden this yes. summer, and that works really well. So maybe I'll try that. It's the same. Yep. It's it's perfectly in that aspect okay Okay. thank you very much okay enjoy your day Esther you as well okay bye bye and this is the time it kind of gives me a little bit of a jiggle because the grandkids go out to great grandma's house and the one Boston fern that's there I think she likes it and uh, she always gives a little bit of a tease like why is it all over the carpet and then she goes aha the great grandchildren were over and they were giving the Boston fern a little bit of a tussle so yes it's time to clean it up before the leaves get too droopy on it. Let's go right to the lines. Evelyn is next. Good morning, Evelyn. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Well, we're getting everyone out from outside the city today. That's awesome. How can we help you? Uh, I planted an apple tree about three years ago. And for some reason, this year, it's sending up all kinds of little shoots all around the base. Now, I don't know when to deal with those or how or why it's happening okay you probably it's um two things it could be a tree that's been grafted and maybe the the stock for when it's grafted on uh, maybe shooting up new growth from it so this is one question that we've been having uh frequent frequently too is when can i do my pruning And that would basically be a pruning of your suckers because it's the suckers that are coming from the bottom. 
So if you want to deal with that or take care of that, you could do that when all the leaves have fallen. We usually say recommendation of certain categories, especially fruiting trees, is when they're in a dormant state. Okay? So, so I cut them off. Yep, you can cut them off right at the ground level. And uh, they should self-seal themselves up. If there are smaller bits that, or smaller ones that are coming in, they mm-hmm. will self-seal themselves. Okay? Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Oh, by the way, I finally got to see your um, nursery in uh, Winnipeg. What oh. a marvelous place. Oh, well, thank you for coming in and thank you for visiting. Next time you're in, you, uh, make sure if I ask for me in the building and we'll say a hello together. All right, then. Have a great okay, day. Okay, Evelyn. You thank too. You. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. This is the time. Like, there are so many different aspects of what to do now in the garden. Hey, you know what? Let's do it when the weather is warm because I know there's a tendency to sit on those balconies and decks to enjoy the warm weather. But if we could take a little bit of it, like a little bit of a time, enjoy the day, but still try and get those tasks done. And this is our second gardening season where we know that there's a task. Before I go to Linda, I want to get a shout out that there is the still the time to get the tree banding on your tree per preventative measures for getting those bugs okay so it's a little bit of shout out about tree banding let's go right to the lines linda is waiting good morning linda hello there good morning where are you calling from minnedosa well hello minnedosa i know where you are i've got a little bit of extended family out that way it's beautiful yeah beautiful area how can we help you this morning i have a mandavia vine and i wonder if there's any point in trying to bring it in and winter it over. I have a garage that is, does not freeze, and that was where I was thinking of trying to do it, if it's possible. Okay, so is it, um, like the mandevilla is a tropical plant, so uh, it, what, how cold does that garage get? It does not freeze. It, it, gets, does... It, it will get down fairly cool, but it doesn't ever freeze. Yeah, I I think even at that point it might be too cold for the mandevilla vine. Okay. Uh, if you can, is it very tall and wound up on things, or is it a shorter? It's kind variety? of wound up on things, but I was uh, that's what I wondered if it can be cut back or. <laughs> okay. Yes, your mandevilla, like your um, and mandevillas, and like our hibiscus and oleanders, we have to remember that these are all tropical plants that grow. Like hibiscus, if um, I've seen pictures when people bring me pictures of uh, hibiscus hedges in Hawaii, so that that's their shrubs out there, believe it or not. Yeah. But <laughs> they um, they are need that high light as much as we can get. So I would say if you want to overwinter it, try wintering it as a tropical plant indoors by giving it as much bright light as you can. You oh. are going. You can trim it back. Okay. okay. So, and can I trim it fairly aggressively, or should I just do it rather gently? <laughs> um, if you know what, I would say if you could take half of it off, you could probably take half. Oh, okay. Um, that's in there. Normally, if it was in the trees and shrub category, where it was, uh, if I would say if it was like a hibiscus or an oleander and all that kind of stuff, I would say take one third. But because it's a vining plant. I would probably just to contain it because I don't know what the size of it is. Some of them can well, get quite pretty, big. <laughs> it's pretty good size now, so I couldn't bring it in unless I could trim it back, like I say, fairly aggressively. Yeah, you can go aggressively, and there's that still that capacity where we want highlight. 
But Mm -hmm. when even our houses get to be a little bit cool in the winter. So just remember, like our traditional houseplants, the light candle is decreasing. Mm -hmm. Our temperatures are decreasing. So we are, that is a call of action to decrease on the watering because things are shutting down. They're not respiring in high growth pattern. So they don't need all that water all the time. So slow down on the watering, but as much bright light. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. When we bring hibiscus and everything in from outdoors into indoors, you will naturally get some drop of leaves. It's one of their, because A, it's because we've decreased their light and it's because we've moved them from one location to another. So we've got a little bit of a shock factor happening. Okay. And then temperatures are going to be lost. So basically, I've seen it where mandevilla and diplodenias get very, almost like you have a lot of vines, but barely any leaves. Uh-huh. Just kind of, if you can hang on to it looking like that, because as soon as that March clock flips up, you'll start to see that it's going to produce more leaves and you are going to have a gorgeous plant next year. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a try then. So I'll bring it right inside, right into the house. Yep. But you listened to the the last question that uh, Esther had about bringing plants in for the winter, correct? Yes. So we want to make sure that we're cleaning them off and look in the joints and look in the, uh, of the leaf structures because Mandevilla is, um, you know, it's prone to a little bit more bugs that's on it. So do your trimming and then mm-hmm. do your spray with water to wash off first and then follow it up with a spray of Endol after that, okay? Okay, sounds All right. good. I'll give it a try. Okay, I give you thumbs up. You're going to do it. I have faith in you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoy your day. All right, we're going to go right to the lines. Abe is next. Hi, Abe. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very, very good. And where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Steinbeck. From Steinbeck. Well, hello out there. I know uh, uh, I know a lady that's out there, Erna, at Oak Ridge Garden Center. I'll give her a little oh, shout. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sure. So how, are yeah. You, uh, how can we help you today? Well, I'm similar to what you've been talking about, uh, some geraniums on a, in a pot and a tray on the patio. And I'd like to take uh, two plants in, in two different pots. And what's the best process there? Okay. Um, With your dreams, you're just bringing me back. I I remember my grandmother in Saskatchewan, she always had, in the wintertime, she always brought in a couple of her bigger geraniums. And uh, she always wintered them in her, I, I call it the freezer room because that's where I went and stole the frozen cookies out of her freezer. And there was always <laughs> two geranium pots that are there. And I couldn't figure out, you know, even as a young girl, like, why do you have geraniums in the, in the freezer utility room? It's because she kept it as her mother's stock, which right. is exactly what you're going to do. So No, I, you, don't, I don't want it that way. I want a plant inside to... to uh, in a pot to bloom during the winter. Is that possible? Um, you know what? You Yes. I'm going to say yes because if you continue it going, but the success that you would have, Abe, is that you would have to give it as much bright light as you can. Right. Like, geraniums are almost like your hibiscus. They need bright, bright light. Okay? Right. So yeah. even um, in some aspects, if you could subsidize the lighting, I know that now there are some... UV lights that look like regular light bulbs and not the tube lights. So you can maybe okay. subsidize that. 
Um, but also remember to, I love geraniums. I think I get to appreciate them more as I've gotten older, more or more mature, I would say, um, is because they can actually go fairly quite dry between their watering stages. Okay. Oh. So just, um, I've seen more detriment to these plants from overwatering than from underwatering. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. And then next year, as you have this progress and overwinter it, the new growth that you see next year in March, uh, or even in February, March, you'll start to get new tender growth off of that. At that point, you might want to phone in and say, Hey, Carla, how do I do cutting so I can get some more plants going off of these? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, so as bright light as you can get, um, I wouldn't bump it up in size of pot. I would keep it in its original pot because we know that the water content is limited in what you have to give it. Like I'm, I'm not saying make it go bone dry like a cactus, but it can go fairly dry. Okay. Yeah, but I've got them on a, in a tray, hanging on the railing, and there's lots of plants in there. Well, there's four, four original plants. And I don't really want them all inside. Yeah. Well, you can you can uh, if you're gonna har- or if you're gonna lift and divide, then lift and divide and look at the root size that you bring it up and try and put it in a pot that's not oversized to in proportion to what the roots are. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like if okay. if you're yeah basically if it with uh, if the original roots were in a six inch filled up a six inch pot you can maybe go to a seven or eight inch size pot to plant it in with new soil around it but just because the upper foliage may be eight to ten inches wide doesn't mean you need a 10 inch wide pot okay no, okay all right. all right that'll help okay. you save on space too yeah yeah thanks very much uh carla Appreciate oh you're, it. you're very welcome thank you for calling abe have a great day these are the things that we go through and and that's uh, that's sort of one thing that uh, even with bringing in tropicals, if you think that you need to transplant and bump up your tropicals at this time, um, just a couple hints. If you find that there are roots coming through the bottom holes, that could be an indicator that you may want to do that prior to bringing it in. Do the work outside. Leave the mud outside. It's a beautiful day to do that. Or the other indicator that maybe you should do it now is if you see the rooting system sort of at the surface and girdling around the size of the pots. That's another clear indicator that's on it. But um, in other aspects, we know that hydroponics work with some of our tropicals, and we know that sometimes the plants like to have their their roots tight in pots. That would, that's what gives them the umpa to make it grow bigger and taller up the other side. And here's a little thing. If you've ever visited us here... Um, You'll see that in our tropical main tropical house, and this is a clear picture of it, is we have a, a, a ficus benjamina. That's like a weeping fig tree that escalates and go to the 13, 14 foot high ceilings. And once a year or once every year and a half, um, I usually have to rope in one of the landscapers to help me lay it down or climb up on the ladder and take off six or eight feet of this because it's a canopy tree that trails across our tropical house. Now, you would think my, my, that the size of the pot that we have to put that in would be enormous, but it's not. It's in a 40-inch pot, and it's been in that pot probably 
um, you know, it's going on to like 30-something years for me here, and it's the same plant. So that's the power of fertilizing your plant that's in that, that same pot, wateringly, evenly, and with enough moisture for those plants to wick up that moisture and then leave it alone until it dries out again. Because we know that the rooting systems of plants like the moisture, but you cannot continually put that moisture into that rooting system because it's like saying, okay, we need to come up for air. Those roots also need air and the energy around it for it to grow. All right? So let's go right, you know what, Mary? Uh, we're going to take Mary, and then we'll go for the next break, if that's okay, Eva. Let's go. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a, ho- a hostas, and can I trim them now or leave them until they dry up? Uh, hostas, I'd like to see that, that when they get to fall and drop themselves. Okay. Yeah, it's just that sometimes when you cut them... Um, Sometimes you can get viruses in hostas, and I like that naturally where they can just drop, die off on their own. And they're so easy when they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm notorious for getting rid of the flowers. I, I'm one of those ones that the flower scapes are okay when they're looking crisp, but then I remove my scapes. But once you get that clear, hard frost, those leaves are going to fall to the ground, and then a week later you can just, it's like, Baby teeth, they pop up by themselves. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and how about fern? I've got uh, wild fern. Wild ferns? Yeah. Um, if they they naturally go brown, if they've browned off by themselves, then no, you can No, they're trim still them. green. They're still green? I, I would say leave the fern alone. That's mm. on it. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? I'm, I'm, it, I'm telling you my preference, but if you... There's two trains of thoughts here. Some people like to clean up everything in the fall so that they have less to do in the spring. Right. But then there's some aspects of, I think, with some of the native ferns, because some of the crowns come up a little higher that's on it, sometimes that foliage that lays over top of it helps to insulate it a little bit. Okay. Okay, because in nature, the native ferns have that forest and bedding of leaves that are over top of it. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And the tasks that we have at hand, and I say, well, is it a task or is it enjoyment that you have that you work in your garden? And I think it's a kind of an enjoyment. I'm always an endorser of gardening is great for your body. It's great for your mind. It's great for uh, feeding us. And just think of the beautiful things that we create by gardening. Now, we have tests of the leaves are falling. We're starting to clean those up. You might be doing them for a little bit of a time. Just gives me a thought that, yep, no leaves in my yard yet. My Manchurian ash has not dropped its leaves. That's one thing about the, the Manchurian is it gets that hard frost and boom, all the leaves are done at once. But then I have to remember, Yes, I'm thankful for my neighbor, and sometimes I'm thankful for the leaves from their trees that come in to my yard as well. So when to prune, remember, you have to do that when the uh, trees and shrubs are in their dormancy. And as you go around on your walk walk through your yard, I kind of call it the jaunt through to assess things, take a look at uh, the moisture content. We know that the water table has been exceedingly uh, low. 
I know some areas are not able to water, so we're we're hoping that we get some moisture in the ground before the winter hits. If you are able to put a little bit of moisture on your evergreens and cedars, this is the time. Because um, just driving around and looking at different areas, I see some premature uh, yellowing and premature rusting of some of our cedars already which is giving me an indicator that, yes, they are needing that moisture. Normally at this time of the year, cedars and evergreens will start to get a little bit of a casting where they will do a little bit of a needle drop that's on it. But this year, signs are indicating that's going to be a little bit stronger that's on there, which is warning us that if your evergreens are lacking in uh, moisture going through the winter, it may cause an unwanted effect that's on there. So please share a little bit of moisture if you can. Now cleaning up your garden and we had some people asking do I clean them up now or clean them up later. There is a aspect that's spring blooming ones that are really an aspect that are looking and failing and waning that are in through here can be started to be cleaned up. And even lo and behold, we had some people that were in last week saying, do I cut down all my ornamental grasses? This is one endorsement that I will say is, I love the ornamental grasses at this time of the year. They give us that wintry prairie feel that's to it. And they look beautiful with snow. They look beautiful with the frosted effect in the winter that's on it. And the seed heads from these grasses could be beneficial to some of our birds as well. All right, let's go right to line. Mary is waiting. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. Two Marys in a row. That's wonderful. (laughs) Similar questions. I heard you about the hostas. I was wondering about that because I heard something the other day. But what about daylilies? Do I cut them back? Yes. Well, daylilies, the same thing too. We want, um, I'm a firm believer that yes, you can cut them. There's two trains. If it's in an open area where you do not get snow cover, This is kind of like the big question to everyone. Do you know your garden? So if it's in an area that you do not get snow cover and it gets wind, uh, like, you know, where barely a drift happens on it, then I'd say leave the foliage to help create that catchment of snow for insulation. Well, that's what I've always done. They're they're, uh, along the uh, east side of the house, but they're in a, like a one foot raised bed. Yeah. Then, one foot high, and I've always left them there to catch the snow, but I've been hearing all this people trimming them back, and I'm thinking, okay, is that what I should be doing? Because right now, some of the plants, about half of them are brown, but half of it is still green. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say because you're in a raised bed, the more insulating factor that you have on your plant is going to give you the success for the next season. Yeah, and so, I have, uh, like there was landscape around fabric plus um, rocks or... Yeah, well, whatever in yeah. it. Well, the landscape fabric in the rock is not going to give you any insulating factor. No, no. That's, that's more of a aesthetic value that mm-hmm. you have that's on there. But because you're raised and you're on a rock wall, I myself, I would say leave it alone. Okay. Uh, focus on other areas of jobs that could be done because... Uh, we know that snow cover, and it's kind of it, it it's kind of mind blowing to think that when you look at some of the the ratings and the zone ratings that these plants can go to minus thirty four to minus forty Celsius without, and that rating is without snow cover. So put snow cover on there. So maybe we're at minus twenty eight Celsius. That's still cold, and the roots. And the most important thing is if they're in a rock wall, a rock sorry rock wall closest to a house, foundations 
are drier than if you were watering out into the garden because foundations stay warm all winter, right? Mm-hmm. So adding moisture into that area, especially because you have rock and fabric underneath, we want to make sure that moisture gets well into the ground that's on it. That's like also right good. now or well or now when? or well, all the time. Now, right till freeze up. Till freeze up, okay. Yeah, because remember last year, um, I remember, you know, normally in the day and age, it's like Halloween, everything goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 years ago here, Halloween was the day that our landscape trucks came in. We had to make sure they were all washed, the bobcats were washed up, and <laughs> all the mud was taken off. And now it's the third week of November because there's that extension and we have to remember, if we don't get the moisture in the fall, take the hose out, water it, okay. and then put the hose back in the garage, you know, once it's drained out a little bit, because it's a long winter for plants to go with no moisture locked around those roots. Okay. Yeah, I oh. had another raised bed built at the same time, and it was like two and a half feet high, maybe three even, and I had a lot of winter kill in that bed. Yeah. Eventually, uh, a deck was built over it, but at that point, we had the landscaper had put in all these beautiful plants, and and for the first three years, every year, I had to replace at least two plants in that bed. And then the nursery told me that, well, if it's not properly insulated on the backside, and then you have all this brick on yeah. the front, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe it's... I just didn't water it well enough, whatever. But anyway, it's not there anymore because I got a deck built over it, but. Yeah, well, the the moisture is the key. Like we've had some conversation uh, before when we want to lock in the roots. And you think, why would locking in ice around the roots? You think mm-hmm. it would be more of a yeah. um, a detriment to them. But it actually, it's like, fr- it's not freeze-dried. It's freeze, what, what do you call that? When you have sort of put something in a stage, I can't remember the word right now, but it's in a static stage. That it's kind just of encapsulated in there. In there and- yes, yeah. yes, good, good, good. Thank you for helping okay. with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last job to do. Okay. <laughs> right now. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you. Enjoy the day. It's going to be a nice one. Let's go right to lines. Gail is next. Hi, Gail. Good morning. Good morning. I have an, um- I have an umbrella tree. And there's about four stalks in it. It's about four feet high. And I know it needs transplanted. But should it be in a bigger pot or uh, a taller pot maybe? And do you, does it like its roots tight together? Yeah, umbrella trees is the Schlafleura uh, family. Is it variegated? Mm-hmm. Is it variegated? Uh, yes, it is. Is yes, it? it oh, is. The, they're so pretty. Um, they the umbrella are. trees, yeah. You should, uh, A, how long has it been in the pot that it's in now? Uh, I don't know. It looks kind of mature to me. Yeah. I don't know okay. how long it's been in. Okay. So if, if you don't know how long it's been in, the, is it recently purchased or is it how long have you yes. had it? Yes. Uh, just recent. Just recent. Just re- okay. Even the pot is lopsided, so it won't sit flat. So I know the roots are, well, the roots are coming out the bottom, too. Okay. That's that's an indicator. Because a lot of times um, when you buy um, plants from garden centers, they mm-hmm. are brought in from Florida fields. And uh, it's kind of a magical when you walk these fields, because you'll walk into a field that has, like, Schlafleura plants growing in Florida, and you'll mm-hmm. see, like, 10,000 of them, but they, you know, they plant them in the pots and sometimes they lean. So yes, if it's leaning, I would say you're going to repot it. If the roots are coming through the bottom drainage holes, you can do a little bit of root pruning on, on those to get them out. But just remember, 
Florida trees like your Benjaminas, your Schlafluras, and anything that comes from Florida is a tropical to us, but it's a tree down there or a shrub down there. Right, yeah. The most important thing, you're going to go one to two inches bigger in the size of the pot, and then when you plant it, when you pop it out of its original pot, if you see that the roots are sort of trailing and making a you know, circle around it, open it and rough it up. Give it a bad hair day on the roots. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And then you're going to backfill with the good soil in that pot so that it's nicely snuggled in. But if you do anything, do not plant that tree deeper than that, what it is originally. So maintain okay. that surface. Because I've seen more plants and tropical plants killed by straightening it and thinking that I want to see the nice straight bark and not any of those roots on the top. But we'll actually right. cho- you'll actually choke that tree and kill it. And that, that goes oh. for nursery stock trees that are here as well. Um, mm-hmm. that you want to keep a little bit of that rooting at the original purpose of it and let it self-settle on its own. Okay? Okay. Great. Great. Okay. Okay. Um, when you're potting it up, if you have a little bit of bone meal um, lying around from the garden, like from working in the garden, throw that in there too, because uh, it'll help to sort of energize and get some of those nodules on those roots going. So that okay. it gives a little, it gives it a soft little kickstart to say, "Ooh, you've got new soil to energize yourself with." Okay. Right on. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, you're welcome. Enjoy okay. the day. You okay. too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye-bye, Gail. You know what? We've got to keep going. There's a line up here, so let's keep talking about gardening. Catherine's next. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Carla. Hi, Um, good morning. Yes, I have a question. I have hospice on the north side of my house, and I'd like to do a bit of transplanting. In spring, they're very late coming up. Can I do that in fall? Yes, you can. Yeah. Just you wait can, wait till after they've lost their leaves? or Yeah, I would wait. Uh, if, you, if you absolutely, absolutely have to, you could do it earlier. Um, I would still leave the leaves up on it, though. You're going to lose some because when you break into it and cut and divide, some of the leaves are going to get uh, removed anyway. But okay. if you absolutely have to do it now, I would do it now that's in there. Make okay. sure you, again, dig your hole prior to lifting and harvesting. Make sure that you're watering the hole well before you do the transplant because the ground is dry. Yes. Uh, I like to see when, you, when you're when you creating your new hole, striate the sides of the insides of the hole so that you don't have a slick bowl because not knowing if you have a clay-based soil or a sandy soil. We've got uh, clay here already. Okay, yeah. Guess, uh, basically, I've, I've taken a round shovel and by the time I dig my hole, it looks like this perfect little clay bowl that I've created. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you have some cut lines in there. So if the roots radiate, then it gets it past that barrier wall. Okay. okay. And then water well, bone meal in the bottom of the hole to get it re-energized and water, water, water. Okay. 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 All right. Great. Uh, can I ask you one more question? Certainly. My banana tree, I have brought it in before. Give me your ver- version of how you store it for the winter. <laughs> Banana tree, highlight, highlight, good sunlight, as much as you can get it. Water well, but let it go slightly dry between waterings. And make sure it's in a pot that has drainage holes. What I have done is cut it off and stored it in my coolest ro- dark room in the basement and brought it up in March. Yep. You could do that too. 
Okay. Because yeah. otherwise it would get monstrous. Oh, yes. Yeah. If you don't have the, and that brings us into a whole different category of, um, like, here's a call. Everyone should be looking for their amaryllis bulbs that they were storing over last year. Let's start poking and looking at those. But yes, you can take those bulbs and revert it to a bulb state to grow it again next year. Yeah, you can do that as well. Okay, thank you. Okay, and thank you for the reminder of that, because that's another different scenario that could actually be done. Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember, we're one week away from Thanksgiving. Be thankful for your neighbor. Be thankful for your health and your happiness. And be thankful for the harvest of the bounty in your gardens. Bye-bye, everyone.